Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your goodness towards us, your tender mercy, for the ways that you have blessed us abundantly above all that we can ask or think. We thank you for your provisions for us, which are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Bless us, Lord, as we have gathered together and pause for a few moments to reflect upon your word. Speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. In Exodus chapter 16, verses 14 and 15, the Bible says, When the dew on, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. The children of Israel are going from Egypt to Canaan, and they have just been freed from bondage. They're in the middle of the desert, and they wake up one morning, and the dew is there, and once the dew is burned off, there is something peculiar on the ground. The Bible says that it looked like flakes of frost. This was manna. And for 40 years, A miracle took place every single day. The Bible indicates that there were a million men, not counting women and children. So this was not a small group of people, uh, a conservative estimate, three million people. They're on the desert floor, and they wake up, and as far as the eye could see, this has to feed that many people, there is on the ground this bread from heaven. And for 40 years, God fed the Israelites. What a miracle. I wish I was there. I want to see some manna when I get to heaven and see what it tastes like. Here's some Bible texts. Before we get to that, here's an artist's depiction of the daily gathering of manna by the Israelites. What a miracle it was every single day to see that, that manna on the ground there. And here are some texts that indicate uh, some descriptions of what that manna was like. Uh, Psalm 78, verse 24, the Bible calls it the corn of heaven. Uh, The next verse says that it was the food of angels or angels' food. In Exodus chapter 16, verse 31, it says it's white like coriander seed, and it tasted like wafers made with honey. And in Numbers 11, verse 8, it says that the taste was like that of fresh oil. So this was the manna that that was there, and they would grind it and bake it into cakes, manna cakes. And this was the miracle that took place every single day to sustain the children of Israel in their journey from Egypt to Canaan. Jesus referred to this manna in John chapter 6, verse 48 through 51, I am the bread of life, Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live, how long? Forever. 
this bread is my flesh, which I gave for the life of the world. And later on, Jesus says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have no part of me. And the disciples said, this is a hard saying. And many of his disciples left. This is offensive. They thought he was talking about cannibalism. And later on, the disciples came to him and said, what do you mean? And so he clarified this when he said these words. John chapter 6, verse 63, the spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. So Jesus was not literally saying that we need to eat his flesh and drink his blood. What was he talking about? He was talking about his words, the words of life the words of spirit. These are the things that we need to eat. And this is from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. You can see the same correlation that is made here in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither your, you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. This, remember, Jesus quoted it in the temptation there in Matthew chapter 4. He was quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. But what I want to point out in this verse is that there is a correlation between physical manna and spiritual manna. Do you see that? He said, I gave you manna to teach you that we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, the Bible compares manna to the word of God. There is an analogous relationship between physical manna and the spiritual word. And I want to just spend a few moments and draw some lessons that we can learn from the manna that fell on the Israelites many years ago because the Bible points out that there is a correlation, there is this relationship between the physical bread and the spiritual bread that God wants to give to each one of us. So very quickly here, lessons from manna. God provides for my spiritual nourishment by making it accessible. The Israelites, when they would get up every single day, they did not have to go far at all. It was right outside of their tent. They didn't have to plant it. They didn't have to sow for it. They didn't have to harvest it. It was right there outside of the tent every single morning. Breakfast. Okay? It is accessible. And here it is in Exodus chapter 16, verse 14 through 15. When the dew was gone, thick, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. God has made his word accessible. Matter of fact, we live in an age today where the word of God is more accessible than any other time in human history. Do you realize that in order to read a Bible back during the dark ages, you had to go into a monastery and it was chained to the wall and it was not even in the common language. It was in Latin. But today, we have the Bible everywhere. It's remarkable. Uh, on my phone, I have the entire Bible in audio format. It's dramatized. You can get it from Amazon, and I downloaded it. The whole Bible is there. It is so accessible at your fingertips. Now, 
Uh, nowadays, when I want a Bible verse, I don't even go to my Bible program that I paid hundreds of dollars for. I go to Google, and I type it in, and it comes up in multiple versions. I mean, we are living in an unprecedented era where literally the manna is at our fingertips. God has made his word, spiritual nourishment, so accessible, and it reminds me of this verse in Romans chapter 10, verse 8, but what does it say? The word is what? Is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. God has made the word of God accessible. It is available and abundant for every individual. But as it goes, the Israelites got tired of the manna after a while. And we get to the place where we assume that the miracle becomes common or the miracle come, becomes common. Here's lesson number two. God provides for my spiritual nourishment by making it everything that I need. For 40 years, the Israelites ate that manna and they were not nutritionally deficient. Wouldn't it be wonderful to eat one thing? Well, maybe not. And it provides all the vitamins, all the nutrients. That's all they had to eat. And the Bible tells us that their feet did not get sore. These were healthy Israelites. Everything that they needed was provided by, the by, by God to the children of Israel. In Exodus chapter 16, verse 35, the Israelites ate manna 40 years until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. Once they crossed the Jordan River, the manna suddenly stopped falling. Incredible. What a miracle took place. For 40 years, all the nutrients that were necessary for them to get from Egypt to Canaan was provided by a miracle. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I don't know about you, when I read stories like this, my heart is just filled with, with wonder and amazement. By the way, some scholars have made the observation that when you look at the journey from Egypt to Canaan, it can also parallel our Christian experience. They were in bondage to Pharaoh. The lamb died. They were covered. They were saved from slavery, and then they were led to Sinai, where they were introduced to the what? To the law, okay? So you go from blood to the law, and then they spend 40 years in the wilderness, and then they cross over into Canaan, which some scholars believe is, is the equivalent of heaven. And during those 40 years, to get from Egypt to Canaan, they needed to eat every single day the heavenly manna that was provided for them. Now, it came to a place in Numbers chapter 11, verses 4 through 6, that they got tired of the manna. The rabble with them began to crave other food, and again the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat, we remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and garlic. Some of you are like, oh, that doesn't seem like very attractive, but evidently this was a delicacy. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Now, manna was not dis 
distasteful. The Bible indicates that it tasted like wafers made with honey. This was everything that they needed, but they got tired of the manna. Have you ever tried eating an apple after you've just eaten a donut? (laughs) Your taste buds become desensitized, or I should say perverted, by that donut. And something that is so nutritious and beautiful becomes bland and insipid. And even though the Word of God is abundantly made available for each one of us on our phones, everywhere, how many people do you think are reading the Bible on their phones? (laughs) What do you think that they're, they're doing? They're consuming donuts, right? Junk, junk. I, I guarantee when you walk through the airport and people are on their phones, they're not reading the Bible. Now, I wish they were, all right, but they're doing many other things. And have you ever tried reading the Bible after watching a movie? Young people say, oh, the Bible's so boring and so dull. Well, it's become, we've become desensitized to it. And here they had bread from heaven, literally, that fell every single day. And they said, I don't want it. (laughs) Give me the garlic and the leeks and the onions and the fish of Egypt. I don't want this anymore. They had become jaded. Their taste buds needed to be sanctified. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 63, the words I've spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. I was reading on the Gideon website, you know, those individuals that leave the Bible in the hotel room, and they had these testimonials. I encourage you to go on there sometime and read the testimonials. Reading one, it was one that was fascinating. There was one young lady that was outside, and she was about to commit suicide. True story. About to commit suicide. She had come to the end of her rope and was about to take her life when, and it was a windy day, when suddenly a piece of paper came and stuck to her forehead. She reached up and grabbed that piece of paper, and it was a page out of a Gideon Bible. She read that, that passage of Scripture. It touched her heart so much, she decided not to kill herself. She accepted Christ and is a Christian today. Incredible. Incredible. The world is looking for something more. Here's a woman about to commit suicide, and yet she reads the words of life, and her life is transformed dramatically. Everything that we need for our daily spiritual survival is found in the Word of God. Oh, you should say amen after that. Amen, amen. Wow, it's right there. It's right there at your fingertips right there next to your bed, everything that you need for your spiritual survival and nourishment is available every single day. So here it is. I take advantage of God's spiritual nourishment by first gathering it. The children of Israel could have had God drop the manna in their mouth. And they just opened their mouth. You know, we have a nine-month-old, and it's amazing. We were like, we're going to try this whole baby-led weaning thing, and he's going to feed himself. It's not happening. So what we do is, you know, we feed him, you know. 
And God could have chosen to say, okay, open your mouth, here's the manna for you today. But they had to get up out of bed and go and gather it. Now, this is not works. God gave them the ability to do that. But that miracle was there, but they had to go and get it. It's the same way. We have by our bedstand, I hope, the heavenly manna. And some people assume that it's by osmosis that you get it. I mean, you lay on it and you get it. No, you have to read it. Now, this is not salvation by works, but you've got to read it, all right? You've got to put it into your mind. You've got to gather it. And the other thing is, you've got to gather it early. This is the lesson from manna, because if you did not gather it early, according to Exodus chapter 16, verse 21, when the sun grew hot, it did what? It melted away. Now, this is not indicating that God will not meet you at any time of the day. He will. But it's strange how our lives go, isn't it? You ever tried to spend time with God at the end of the day? All right? It, it just doesn't work very well because what happens is that the cares of this life have the tendency to come in and crowd out your day. There's something beautiful about the morning. When I was a child, my dad would get up very early in the morning, Sunday mornings. My dad and mom, they bought this, they bought this rubber boat because I loved fishing. I found out later my dad hated fishing. And because of his love for his son, 4 a.m., get that big rubber boat, strap it to the top of our station wagon, and we go out to the reservoir to fish. And there's nothing like fishing in the early morning. Anyone ever done that before? That lake is just like glass. The stillness, I love it. Not another soul out there. And you, boop, that bobber on there, and it just ripples. Just something serene about it. But as the day goes on, you get closer to noon, then the waves start to come, the other boats come along, and that stillness is gone. And it's the same way. That still time with God is a time for us to calibrate. Amen? In the quietness, get our brains together and spend that time with God so that he can guide us and bless us through our day. You got to get it early because if you don't get it early, it's gone. This is from Leslie Harding in his book, Manna melted with the rising sun and was then gone forever. We too must make gathering the heavenly fair our first task. The dawn is best, for noon is opportunity lost. The day's hectic activities will overwhelm the life unnourished by this celestial bread. And Jesus woke early in the morning, according to Mark chapter 1, verse 35, in the early morning. While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Quiet time with God. And here it is in Psalm 5, verse 3. In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you. The other lesson from manna is I take advantage of God's spiritual nourishment by gathering it daily. God could have given all the manna that the children of Israel needed for the week. He could have given it for the month. 
He could have even given it for the year. I don't know how they would have done it, but they would have to get it together and store it. But the thing about manna was that it only lasted one day. When you read the Bible, I think I have a text here. Oh, oh this, this is not the text. But anyway, Exodus chapter 16, verse 4, the people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. They were to get it just for that day, except for Sabbath. They were able to keep it for Sabbath. It would last for two days during the Sabbath hours. But every other day, you were not able to store it because if you tried to store it, the maggots and the worms would get it. It would not be fresh anymore. You were only given a daily provision. Every day, the manna was only to supply that day's need. No more, no less. How many of you have ever tried to eat for the entire week? Ever try that? Maybe around Thanksgiving? It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. We have to eat every single day. And it's the same way in the spiritual world, according to D.L. Moody, a man can no more take in a supply of grace for the future than he can eat enough today to last him for the next six months. Nor can he inhale sufficient air into his lungs with one breath to sustain life for the week to come. We are permitted to draw upon God's store of grace from day to day as we need it. That's why Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. He's not just talking about food. He's talking about our spiritual sustenance. So when you get up in the morning, you say, Lord, give me what I need for today. Not for the week, not for the month, just for today. This is an important prayer to pray. One of my professors framed this prayer. He said, Father, would you initiate in me a deeper desire for you? Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir. Every year I talk about devotions, and we're like, yes, pastor. And it's kind of this little struggle that goes on in our minds. We know that we should spend time with God, but the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And this is a a phenomenal prayer to pray. Father, would you initiate in me a deeper desire for you? The same professor told me that his wife, before she goes to bed every night, she said, Lord, when you want to spend time with me tomorrow, wake me up. No alarm clocks. I heard a testimony of one of our saints that told me that they prayed that prayer and the Lord got them up super early and they said, Lord, not this time. You know, and, and they went back to bed and rolled over. Uh, but, but it works. I, I believe if you pray this prayer and say, Lord, initiate a desire in me, wake me up when you want to spend time with me, he will do it. I believe if our eyes could be opened, you would see an angel come to you and gently wake you up to spend time with him. God wants to spend time with you more than you desire to spend time with him. And this is a beautiful thing that we can do. Um, This is from the book Education. In the midst of this maddening rush, God is speaking. He bids us to come apart and communion with him. Be still and know that I am God. Many, even in their scenes of devotion, fail of receiving the blessing of real communion with God. They are in too great haste 
With hurried steps, they pressed through the circle of Christ's loving presence, pausing perhaps a moment within the sacred precincts, but not waiting for counsel. They have no time to remain with the divine teacher. With their burdens, they return to their work. They must give themselves time to think, to pray, to wait upon God. And notice this, for a renewal of physical mental and spiritual power. How many of you need that? I do. They need the uplifting influence of his spirit receiving this. They will be quickened by fresh life. The wearied frame and the tired brain will be refreshed. The burdened heart will be lightened. Not a pause for a moment in his presence, but personal contact with Christ to sit down in compassionate companionship with him. This is our need. Several years ago, I was leading a team of teenagers going door-to-door in Mesick, Michigan. Quentin Purvis was a senior pastor. I was a young man straight out of college, and we were leading a team of 12 individuals, myself and Nathan Stearman, who's currently the pastor of Juno. It's amazing how we end up in the same state. Now, Quentin's leaving me. I told Quentin, uh, you call me to Alaska and you leave to Florida? I said, come on, man. Anyways, that's a side note. And so we were all together, Quentin Purvis, Nathan Stearman, and myself, and we were leading a, te- a team of, of 12 uh, just energetic teenagers, and we were going door to door, eight hours a day. Now, we were the trainers, we were the dean, we were the disciplinarian, so it was like an all-day job with these teenagers. I can't believe the parents trusted us with these guys. And we'd go door to door. We sold about $80,000 worth of books that summer. A great controversy, miracles that happened all over northern Michigan. I was exhausted. But every single day, I would go to a park that was not too far from the place that we were staying, get up early, and go apart to that park and just pour my heart out to God. Now, when I would be walking to that park and sitting down, I would be absolutely exhausted, running on fumes. But after that time with God, not only was I spiritually renewed, but physically renewed as well. It is that divine communion that takes place. And I would come back, and I remember Quentin Purvis looked at me, and he said, wow, you have just been refreshed, haven't you? He could see it on my face. How many of you are exhausted? Physically, spiritually, emotionally. Contact with God is the renewal that we all need that communion with him. Notice what it says. Not only spiritual, but physical, mental, and spiritual power is given to us in that divine transaction with him. So here's some tips. Habits of disengagement. Get alone with God. Find a quiet place, your own corner in some room of the house. Uh, Unplugging. Put your your phone on airplane mode. It's my favorite mode. Put it on there. Put it, it, it. Everything will be back. Facebook, Twitter, it's all going to be there when you get back. You put it on airplane mode. Take a deep breath. 
You know, put it in another room if you need some discipline, you know, and, 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 and just put it away. Unplug and spend that time with God and find a quiet place to spend with Him. When every other voice is hushed, when every earthly interest is turned aside, the silence of the soul makes more distinct the voice of God. Here rest is found in Him, the peace, the joy, the life of the soul is God. Bible reading and reflection, praise and prayer as a conversation with Him. All important aspects. I want to encourage you to journal. Find that time with God and pour out your heart to Him. As we close, I want to read this quote one more time. When every other voice is hushed, when every earthly interest is turned aside, the silence of the soul makes more distinct the voice of God. Here rest is found in Him. The peace, the joy, the life of the soul is God. Amen? How many of you want that time with God? Amen? I know I do. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, we thank you for that heavenly manna that falls every single morning. It is near us, right there for us to gather. All of the spiritual nutrition and nourishment we need just for that day. We thank you that it is available that is, it is accessible and that we just have to reach out and gather it and gather it daily. Father in heaven, may your angels wake us up at the time that you desire us to commune with you. May you initiate in me, in us, a deeper desire for you. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.